pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 88. Today I'm going to chat with Chris Deeb. We're going to discuss porn and video games, and we'll talk about influencers making money on reviews. I'm your host, Ava Flannell, and welcome to the show. And I'm drinking. And that's because, well, I'm not drinking a lot, but I drank a lot yesterday. And so I just figured the solution was just to drink a little bit more, but not a lot so that I didn't get drunk. Just enough where, you know, it took off the hangover and um, I wasn't mean to the guest. So, Chris, you're welcome. Oh, thank you for that. And I didn't know you'd ever stop drinking. So, oh, yeah. news to me. No, occasionally I sleep. Oh, okay. So you don't <laughs> have the IV in when you sleep. That's interesting. Okay. All right. Uh, before we get into talking about you, let's talk about Manicore Arms. Yes. All right. So um, by the time that this show comes out, we will have already been at NRA, but I hope to, I'm going to see Manicore Arms at NRA. So I'll follow up with you guys on that. Hopefully, maybe I'll record some video with them, post it on my YouTube channel. I was looking at their website and realized that they have the Talon Scope mount for the AUG, the A3 and the AUG M1, which is pretty cool because it kind of captures the look of the original AUG with integral scope. But you could obviously use more modern optics. So if you guys want to check out their stuff or see what else they have, go to manicorearms.com, use the code GUNFUNNY15, and get 15% off. Learn the things you never knew on Deconstructing the Industry. So, Chris, the reason why I had you on the show today is because I'm kind of running out of guest options. Yes. Well, nobody will come on. So, you know. <laughs> and I figured, well, we're kind of friends and I had to call in a favor. And, you know, no, I actually I think what you do is really interesting. So I know that there's a lot of listeners that listen to or that that play video games. And so I kind of thought that it would be interesting for them to figure out, like to find out more about sort of choosing what firearms and stuff go into video games, uh, which is what you do. And am I, I'm right. That's yes. Yes, you are actually, it's a convoluted process and, uh, and, and no companies the same. They all, uh, they all actually work differently. Well, tell me about it. Absolutely. All right. So basically what I do is when we, we sit down and I start working with a, uh, with a game developer, I start trying to figure out what they need. First of all, what they have, there's a lot of there's a lot of companies that are really pro video game. They really understand that that's like a like a marketing avenue, and they and they want to be involved. And, and then there's a lot that are on the fence or just completely lost in in the entire space. And uh, so basically, what I do is I sit down, I talk to the video game developers, kind of help educate them on the different platforms that they're choosing. And then we kind of move into the next phase, which is where I go and I start talking to all the manufacturers. And once I get to that point, um, the data collection uh, period starts, which is the fun part. And sometimes sometimes it's not fun because it ultimately ends up being about uh, 15,000 rounds of platform, a lot of abuse and torture tests, gathering of ballistic data, uh, shooting through different objects. I put swine blood on magazines in order to try and initiate a failure while in church. It's, it's pretty crazy stuff. And, uh, so hold on, let's backtrack. So you do a lot of testing with these guns just to ensure that they're able to be in video games. I do a lot of testing in order to translate that into, uh, into terms that game developers can understand because from their perspective, there's, they're of two minds. They either look at guns and they say everybody can shoot a gun and they have no recoil or the other side, which is way worse, is they'll go to a range with somebody and they'll fire a gun and every gun in the game is like a Smith and Wesson 500 Magnum level of recoil. It's, it's ridiculous. Like, cause you have to like tell them, no, 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 no. Okay. You're, you're 135 pounds. You don't work out. You've never shot a gun before. You don't understand your body mechanics here. Let me show you. So we ended up uh, coming up with a system that would help translate recoil, muzzle rise, like, but also like, like an intermediate level of training, like 
that's involved behind pulling that trigger. And that's the process. And then the ballistic data comes too. And then this is just to make the video games as realistic as possible. Correct. I only work with realism-focused games, uh, things that are either survival-based but still leaning towards weapon and attachment realism. And, and that's really my my wheelhouse. I don't really get involved with the stuff that's, uh, I guess, like softcore. And it's just spitballs. So, Huh, that's interesting. Fun fact about me, I did play a video game once, and it was Frogger. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't involved with that, but yeah, uh, well, I heard they did good work. Yeah, the frog didn't uh, The frog didn't make it across the street. Um, oh, I wasn't man. very good at it. And I'm sure that maybe the questions that I'm asking are kind of dumb because I don't really play video games. Not at all. But I didn't realize that you were trying to, you know, show like these developers just, I guess, try to make it as authentic as possible, which is interesting. I guess even as if I were to play a video game and like what guns I was picking, it actually kind of makes more sense knowing, you know, like knowing the gun and like what kind of, you know, recoil you're going to get and stuff like that. But I get, I I mean, I just assumed that there wasn't really, people didn't put that thought process into it, if that makes sense. There's a me. It's kind of a, it's an emergent thing, I guess, in the last uh, three and a half years uh, that I've been doing this. So, so then when you try to when you try to imitate a malfunction, this is just basically because in video games the guns malfunction? Yes, and a lot of the stuff I work on we do uh we do add malfunctions in in various failures. And some some things it's a key press and it'll clear the malfunction. Others there's actually a key combination that they want you to to, to utilize in order to clear that malfunction and, and get that remedial action done faster. So like you could hit like your reload button and there would be a, a staggered slower pace, uh, you know, clearing of a mal- malfunction and getting the gun back up and running. Or there's a combination of keys you could hit that's actually, okay, you know, tap rack and, you know, you're back out, you know, back out there engaging targets. And it's tap rack and assess. Yes. Well, I mean, I don't know when bullets are flying. I don't know how much assessing is going to happen. But uh, but that's that's pretty much where it's at. And a lot of the companies that make a lot of incredible weapon platforms, they they put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears in their products. And I I appreciate being able to to put it in the best, most realistic light. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of where I'm coming from on my end. How did you get into this? Ah, so I was a nightclub owner, and I had a restaurant for about ten years, and uh, I had met. Uh, quite a few people in the gun industry and I was always a shooter, but I didn't devote my life to it. I sold the restaurant, the nightclub, and I was kind of looking at what I was going to do next in life and was working with some friends of mine that are actually streamers. And, uh, you know, we decided we were going to work on the, uh, working a little bit in, in the marketing space of video games. And so we built a community actually centered around, uh, gun guys that also like video games and it's called Black Sight. And we're also a marketing team for video games. And uh, we also do a lot of stuff with the firearms industry. And uh, what happened there was it grew. Uh, I started making phone calls to to help out some gun companies that I knew. And it, and it just started really slow for about 90 days. And then it blew up into this crazy platform now. And at this point, I work uh, very closely with uh, Leviathan. I work for Leviathan. Great company. Uh, we try to manage all of the, uh, all of the, the, the influencers and help them navigate that, that space. Like the, the people in the industry that are actually fighting the system in order to put content out there and not go broke as well as, uh, movie and video game product placement. So all of the, all the films, we kind of play a role in trying to get the guns there, just like I do in the, uh, the video game space. And that's how Jake and I met. Did you play a lot of video games before this? I did. I didn't have time, and it's weird. Uh, I, I thought I did, and then now I don't play them at all. I don't have time. Like I'll, I'll play something, but it's my hands-on, like working with them. So it's more like it's more working on something and less playing on something. Uh, every now and again, I'll make time to to touch on something that's, uh, you know, like a truly magnificent product. I'll try and like etch out some time to get my hands on it. But everything from my life right now, if it's uh, if I'm in a game, it's it's work. It's trying to figure out the nuts and bolts of how to refine something. Hmm. 
it's probably so I would imagine like I remember when I was bartending in New York City mm-hmm. and anytime that I go to another bar, I would always want to look behind the bar to see like their setup and stuff. And, or even when I work for the New York Yankees, if I go to another stadium, you kind of like wonder like, Oh, I wonder where their offices are located. So I'd imagine it's very similar when you play a video game. It's tough not to look at things that you typically wouldn't have looked at before. And maybe in a sense, it sort of takes away some of that enjoyment. It does. And then it also put me in the, in the space it's like I got two minds on it, actually. It's like, on one hand, yes, I look at something that somebody else has done, and they've just done it on their own, and it's make-believe guns, but they've kind of been inspired by by real companies. And first of all, I feel bad for the real companies. They didn't get the branding. They didn't get the exposure, and they kind of just borrowed their design. And then they delivered it wrong. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there like to myself going, now I feel like, see, like, the person that made that is probably looking at this going, I mean, it's kind of my gun, but they, but it's terrible. They, the delivery of this, this weapon to the public is completely incorrect. And uh, then on the other end, yeah, I'm hypercritical sometimes. So I'll see like, ah, that's wrong. You know, this, <laughs> this doesn't work that way at all. So yeah, you're right. And it's, uh, I started out as bartender, so I a hundred percent understand where you're coming from on that front too. It's just funny, I guess. Uh, I mean, I, I guess it's it's semi relatable, but it is. I think it is funny. Like when you're in that industry, it's hard not to look at other businesses and their setup and stuff. But I'm curious, like, so how do you choose which guns and accessories get placed in the video games? Uh, there's there's several layers to that. Uh, the the tip of the spear and the first thing that I work on is that I immediately jump to Leviathan clients. That's the quickest way for me to get things accomplished. Uh, we have pre-existing relationships. Uh, I have everything at my disposal already. So I simply talk to them, show them the, the, the package I'm working on or packages and game. I'll, I'll show them the press and, uh, let them get a feel for the scope of the project. And if they say, yay, this is good. I have 90% of the data. I have a hundred percent of all of their products already hanging on walls here. I'm immediately able just to just jump in and go headlong into it. Non, non-client status. Uh, it's a little longer. It, it, it varies. There's companies that I really love that make stuff that, that just, that get my, my blood flowing, I guess. Uh, and then there's other things where it's just a developer demand. Like they're like, I really, we really want to use this. We have no idea how it works. We, we want to engage with the public with this gun because we like its aesthetic, please help us like get to that point. So sometimes I'll, I'll have to cold call and talk to people, but it's at this point, I, w- I would say half of the people in the industry, I guess, know who I am. Like we've had a conversation before. That's really the process. That's how it begins. Do you mind if I ask like, do these, so I'm assuming these companies pay to have their, it's like product placement. Uh, yes. Yes. Some, some do. And, uh, and some don't. And that's kind of where, like, that's like the love letter, you know, from me, where if, if there's something I have my hands on and I'm like, look, you're one dude, you're a vet, you've put all of your, your brain power and energy into this product. You got no marketing budget and it's fucking amazing, you know, and it's uh companies like a uh, mayhem syndicate, incredible product. It's a tiny little like carry comp. It's unbelievable it takes up no space love the guy to death uh he's in sports medicine when he's not pulling triggers and designing great things and he's an awesome dude and then uh my friend Annabelle, who owns weapons and armament research is working on an integrally compensated glock 19 with an rmr guard he's got a steel guard that hoods over the front of the rmr that goes on this slide and it's just really interesting products from people that I've made friends with and like, I understand where they're coming from and I just kind of have a vested interest in their success. Mm -hmm. So yes, but for the most part, you know, it is, it is a marketing package and there is, there is a lot of like heavy work that goes in on my end. I mean, I'm pretty much beating myself up and and tearing up people's guns in order to get to the the reality of what this is capable of. Hmm. I'm assuming, I mean, it's obviously beneficial for these companies to have their products in the video games. I remember when I talked to Kevin Brittingham from Q, Mm -hmm. he has, I think the honey, I don't know what video game, but he has the honey badger in one of the video games. So he said that a lot of his followers as a result are like 
anywhere from like 16 to early 20s, which are the people that typically play video games. And um, so he said that that's where a lot of his followers come. Once they become old enough to buy a gun, they want to buy the Honey Badger because that's what they started off playing on video games. So it kind of makes sense to a degree. That goes deeper than that. It's, so uh, explain that. So when you're when you're looking at doing a video or you're looking at doing like an ad in a in a magazine and you're looking at this one shot lump sum like throwing everything into this one moment that person that you're trying to get your brand across and in the way that your 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 products look and feel you have that one moment you have that ad and they may flip the page you have that video and they may not watch it the the video game space the the circle i run in i guess it, it is is realism focused so their player base is around 16 to 55 years old. We're talking Milsim communities, people that play games that are, that are very much ingrained in that realism space. Just they breathe it and, uh, and then they enjoy it in their off time. They go to the range as well and they do that. But what you're looking at from a marketing standpoint is that it's not just one ad and it's not just one video. This is a repetitive branding situation where you're, you're, Seeing that, that brand, that label, that, that firearm every time you plug into that game and you're just like letting it go, you become a part of it. That's, uh, one of the reasons the, the vector did so well and, and the Tabor and then, and, and the X95 did so well. They're iconic video game guns. Uh, the Desert Eagle as well. I love the people over at Car Magnum Research. They're good friends, but that's another great example of something where people built such a bond with a product from, an early age that it doesn't have to be practical. They just want it. They have that childhood memory that they want to, they want to grasp or they have that just dream gun that they spent so much time looking at that label that they, that they just want to hold it. They want to feel it. They need it in their life. Huh, that's okay. Yeah, that's interesting. All right. So we are here with Chris Deeb and we're going to take a few seconds to talk about Hackett equipment. <music> Packet Equipment was also at the NRA show. They are releasing their burrito bag. They also have uh, quite a few pistol bags out there. I do really, my favorite is the EDC bag or the Little Bertha. Those are the two pistol bags and there's room to fit basically any of your range gear in there. I would highly recommend go check them out. HackettEquipment.com. Use that code GUNFUNNY20 and that gets you 20% off. I'm going to use that code. I need to invest in more range gear. <laughs> it's, you know, it's funny. It's like, so I've been buying a lot of stuff off Amazon and uh, a lot of camera equipment and stuff. And it's just, yeah, the minute I buy something, then I'm like, oh, I need more. And it's like the same thing with range gear. Like you could never have enough. No, range you can gear. have enough camera equipment, range gear, ammo. I, I really, I need to get another job. It's like all my hobbies are getting super expensive. <laughs> for sure i'm in the same boat as far as needing more stuff because it's uh i i have to abuse things so hard <laughs> it's like it's the little things that add up on my end it's like the you know ear pro eye pro uh gloves oh, God, gloves and shoes are the worst that i'm burning through gloves and shoes uh, on a regular basis why shoes uh mud playing uh, in mud rocks yeah. uh just out there out there being a knucklehead with firearms trying to Try to figure out my end of things. Do my job. So do you record yourself when you're doing this stuff? So that No, no. And that has opened some doors in a different space because I don't have a blog. I don't record myself. And everybody's kind of figured out I kind of, I, I take the NDA thing seriously. Both of the, the avenues of what I do for a living take it very seriously. The the game industry will have you, you know, buried under concrete if you, if you break a uh, embargo on any information. And that's going to open some doors for me to, to assist in some R and D and kind of like play with things really early. It's, uh, it's kind of nice. I mean, everybody understands that like I have a lot to lose if I talk about it. So they're kind of like, okay, you, you kick back enough information that you know what you're doing. You want to take a look at this? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, sh shit, I'll do it. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's been fun. It's kind of been really re rewarding over the last year. I think that really started going into full swing as well. I wonder if you should just record yourself doing it, like shooting these guns. And then once the product launches, you already have a YouTube video. Like you could take over the industry. 
Uh, I wouldn't want to. Uh, with Leviathan, we work so closely with all the influencers. I don't really want to take over any industry. I kind of, I, I could like, you know, potentially do that, but you know, I'm not, I'm not like grand thumb levels of handsome, you know? Like, uh-huh. you That's know, great. You kind of have to be like me, like good looking and, you know. Oh, like who? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I know you're trying to bite your tongue right now. Oh yeah. No, I did. did like I'm bleeding. Uh, no, <laughs> no. No, you're great looking. You're so you're very standoffish, but you're a good looking kid. <laughs> standoffish. Yeah, I think that's the PC word. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. So you think I'm good looking? So, like, what are some of the video games that you've worked on? Uh, I'm currently working on several. Right now, it's uh, Ready or Not. It's a SWAT sim, very painstaking realism uh, with a lot of tools, a lot of entry tactics, and. They kind of made the decision early on to uh, to not pull any pu- punches with the subject matter at all. Like it's uh, it's gritty, and it's definitely like a, a series of those worst calls that that SWAT guys could ever run into. It's kind of been eye opening because the it's the first game company that I've ever worked with that was really pro police. <clears throat> they really understood, I guess, the plight of you know breaching a door. And they really wanted to translate that. And uh, it's been a wild ride with them just up until this point. Escape from Tarkov uh, was one of the first projects I worked on. It's uh, it's it's a, more or less a, a combat sandbox. And it's, uh, it's brutally unforgiving. Another really interesting project is Ground Branch, which uh, kind of deals with the uh, the CIA Ground Branch. And is uh, more traditional in that slow-paced, uh, uh, like, realism-based, like, taking down a, a terrorist situation or, you know, moving through enemy territory trying to do some recon. And uh, they've got a whole host of interesting ideas. And the owner of that company is actually a vet. So it's uh, it's been cool working with them. I, there's some combat sims and some training tools that I'm working on. And I... Well, I can't go into too much detail with those, but there, I'm, I'm also working with some training tools uh, and, and trying to help them navigate that space and and understand the way that certain platforms are deployed and implemented. And uh, so it's that's also been pretty fun. Uh, all the game stuff is is crazy and 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 like it's like you know like a nerd dream job, but actually being able to to play a role in something that's gonna help a team train and understand uh, a scenario better is kind of actually rewarding. Does your name plate on your desk say Chris Dweeb? Uh, no, no. <laughs> I'm not a kindergartner and uh, that's the first time I've heard that in like, uh, gosh, 34 years. <laughs> oh, well played. Well played. Here, I mean, you just said it's there. a nerd job, so I just... <laughs> That's no, funny. I love it. I I, I embrace my nerd Mr. side, Mister Dweeb. Uh, yeah, can you look at this video game for us? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it's uh, it, it's quite good. Uh, being in that situation, uh, most yeah. most most of my guys pick on me, and I pick on them right back. You know, it's funny not to kind of change the subject, but um, as much as I like to talk about you being a dweeb. But there was one Christmas where I forget what it was. Like it was maybe like an Xbox or something and everybody wanted it. It was, it just came out. It was super hard to get. I'm pretty sure my mom like fought somebody in a Walmart, you know, to get it for us. And so Christmas day comes and we open it. We were just like, Oh, that's cool. Thanks mom. And she's like, how are you guys not excited about it? And like it was our first like time ever having a video game or whatever. Mm-hmm. I guess it wouldn't, what would it be called? I don't know. Yeah, I think we ended up taking it back because we just we really we weren't into it. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. uh. But you also, I think when I was growing up, that you saw more guys playing video games. And again, I could be wrong, but now it just seems like it's it's pretty universal. Where there's, I mean, for less than ageless now, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's definitely a lot of a lot of girls that are playing that are playing uh, video games, and, and there's actually like a whole industry. Very similar to, you know, I guess, as you'll say, influencers in the gun industry, there's also similar. I work with a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other half of our business, which is the marketing in the game space is, uh, is like you make use of every, uh, you know, every streamer you can, like they, they all have a different play style. And, uh, 
it, some of the some of the girls are, I guess, like a bit of a gimmick, but the large majority of them are actually just n- as nerdy as I am. It's crazy. Hmm. Interesting. <clears throat> All right. Well, I definitely wanted to get you on to talk about this because it's just it's one of those things where I didn't even really think about or, you know, it's just it's funny how how many like jobs and and things that you don't think about the process that it took to, you know, for them to get to that point. And so I thought it was interesting. And being that it was gun related, I thought that listeners would, you know, kind of get a different perspective like I have since I've become friends with you. And, uh, I say the friends thing lightly, but I, I, I yeah, I was, I was taking it as a bit of a reach, honestly. <laughs> I wasn't going to correct you. <laughs> All right. So we're going to get into the rest of this show, but you can hang out for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I'll stick around. All right. Cool. I really appreciate that. You're welcome. All right. Let's talk about Q. I don't know how familiar you are with Q's products, but the mini fix, I saw it when I went to go visit Q in New Hampshire really similar to the actual fix. It's just obviously smaller, hence the name. It has a, a smaller receiver and a bolt assembly. Um, it also accepts the M4 magazines and it's offered in 224 Valkyrie, but 300 blackout variations are going to be available soon. So really cool. Definitely go to liveqordie.com and check them out and uh, tell them that we sent you. That's awesome. I love those guys. Uh, I talked to them a couple of years ago, pretty extensively. Super great dudes. Definitely love the product. Yeah, they make some really cool stuff. Definitely interested in that fix, actually. I'm kind of... Uh, well, I have one, so... Oh! You know, if we were, like, really good friends, I'd let you borrow it. It's... Okay, that's... No. That's, <laughs> well, All right. There you go. Let's get into Knowledge Bomb. Dropping wisdom, slinging truth, prepare yourself for Knowledge Bomb. Alright, so hopefully I don't butcher this lady's name too much, but in 2006, a teacher, Jancy Fagan, stopped a school shooter by hugging the shooter. The shooter dropped the gun and the teacher held him firmly against her until other teachers arrived to help. And when Fagan was interviewed, she said, I hugged him and told him I wouldn't leave him. I was just glad it was over and no one was killed. And I was sad for him because I know, because I knew him and I knew at that point his life would never be the same again. So that's kind of ballsy. I think, you know, somebody has a gun and then you're just going to go up and, and hug them. Like, I don't know if I would do that, but she's obviously a hero. Um, she stopped other people from, you know, potentially getting hurt. Two students were shot they did survive but yeah kind of interesting you kind of feel bad for the kid maybe he just needed more hugs i try really hard not to not to feel bad for someone that's like about yeah. to to a bunch of people i know yeah to dispense violence but she's uh definitely a brave woman uh she utilized the only tools she had it yeah. sounds like yeah and that's uh true. that's uh that's commendable. Like it, she's lucky. <laughs> like it's definitely, uh, definitely my my take on that. But that does not diminish the fact that she's definitely a hero. That that took a lot of balls. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right, Matador Arms. So Matador Arms, um, guys, we have some sad news. This is going to be Matador's last show with us. Next week, we are introducing a new advertiser, which I'm not going to tell you who it is. You'll have to find out next week. Um, I do hope that you guys do continue to support Matador in the future as they've been great to us pretty close to the beginning. And obviously, you know, we wish them nothing but the best. And I do still always encourage everyone, check out their products. Go to matadorarms.com. And I'm not sure how long the gun funny code will be, but if you were thinking about something you've been holding off, definitely head over there and buy it now because you can still use that code gunfunny10 and that will get you 10% off. Stupid, funny, cool, 
interesting, awesome, as f- Never mind. AF. All right, so I picked this AF segment, Chris, because I thought it was kind of up your alley. Read an article and it says, basically it's saying how gaming and porn addiction are ruining a generation. It also says it's very similar. So they're saying that basically people use porn and gaming to kind of escape the realities of life and that they are just as addicting. In fact, on April 14th, when servers for the popular game Fortnite crashed for 24 hours, Pornhub, the most popular website for pornographic content, experienced a 10% surge in traffic from gamers with searches for videos using the key term Fortnite increased by 60%. They, I didn't realize, did they make porn? Like porn? No, porn? no. I, don't, I don't know, but I'm going to say no. Um, I, I, kind of think this is wishful thinking and sort of bullshit on coming coming from a uh like reaching an agenda somewhere because it's uh it's one of those things the game industry in the porn industry and the gun industry kind of all believe it or not we're all kind of lumped into the same uh like circle jerk of uh who do we blame you know it's, it's something bad happened or something's not working right let's pick one of these three to blame porn I think we'll give you, uh, uh, some problems. Like, I think not, uh, yeah. I mean, don't they say it's like the biggest addiction in America is porn? Uh, yeah. Well, I th- honestly, at this point, I think addiction is the biggest addiction. Uh, the need to be addicted. Uh, you know, everybody's going to have that one thing with porn. I think it's, uh, it's funneling in, uh, some unrealistic expectations and also some, rather uh dubious education as well you kind of come away thinking you're uh you're you're doing something right and you're definitely doing it wrong it's still it's still mostly acting mm-hmm. um with video games and addiction any addiction's bad and i'll be the first to say like if if you can't function in your normal life your entire personal life's falling apart because you can't stop playing a video game or watching porn or smoking crack or guzzling tequila like these are okay. all. Was that, yeah. was that last statement directed towards me? Because I felt it. Oh, you I'll felt have it you go. I'm drinking level. whiskey. Okay, not tequila. Oh, okay, good. Well, that's yeah, good. It's better. Well, at least you'll stay dressed. All <laughs> right. Um, but <laughs> with the video games, I don't know. It's really weird because, like, you'll you'll do these. There's one study that's like, oh, it's an addiction, and you know this is happening, and then you know, but when they do the studies on what's actually going on with your brain, uh, you end up having like people with exceptional, like exceptional problem solving skills. They're, they're able to look at something and, and react to it much, much faster. Like the brain processes information. So I think it's one of those things that's like moderation. I don't understand Fortnite at all. Uh, like I know a bunch of people are in love with it and it is a, a money machine, but it's like really weird. Like, cartoon battle royale it's not in my wheelhouse at all i don't i don't have anything to do with it uh i'm like fortnite going down and immediately searching for fortnite porn that's scary it's target demographic uh there's a lot of adult streamers that play it but the the people that watch them play it is uh you know ages 10 to to 15 it's got a very young demographic of uh like viewers because at this point streamers have audiences. You people sit around and watch people be good at video games on Twitch. It's yeah, uh, so weird to me. Yeah, it's it's interesting, and I work in that like, that realm, but it's still weird to me. It's uh, I I read some or I saw something on a TV show where these women, these I mean, they're like a few hundred pounds, and they get paid by people. People pay them to watch them eat. And so that's what I think of when I hear like streaming, like people are just sitting there watching people play video games, which I'm like, how boring. But I thought your foot fetish was weird, but I really don't understand feeders. (laughs) I know there's so many weird things. Uh, This article also said the more you game and then you experience structural brain, the more you game, the more you experience structural brain changes. There are three of them. Numbered pleasure response. Everyday activities no longer satisfy you. Hyper reactivity to gaming gaming is really exciting everything else is boring willpower erosion even if you want to quit you would struggle to have the willpower anyways due to change 
due to the change in your prefrontal cortex, uh, the same process works with porn addiction. I don't know. And then they said, uh, the article said that if you do have an addiction, they recommend a 90 day detox to reverse the structural brain changes. And, and you might, you know, if you can't moderate, you know, playing video games or watching porn, you might want to do away with it altogether. So I just some fun facts for my listeners out there who have porn addictions and video game addictions, 90 day detox guys. (laughs) I feel like it's one of those things where there's a problem. There's a root to that problem where you're trying to replace your life with something else. Well, and I mean, and you see that with anything like people mm-hmm. that become obsessed with like going to the gym, going because, to the range. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's the same thing. It's else. they, they can't control anything else like around them. Escapism. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about polymer 80. So I know that we talk about a lot of times like their handgun frames and stuff, but I think that, you know, a lot of you forget that they also make 80% lowers for AR-15 and AR-10s, if that's something that you're interested in. Uh, check them out, polymer80.com. Use that code GUNFUNNY and that gets you 10% off. Tactic Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. So we're not going to talk about gear this time. I wanted to talk about something that kind of came up in the gun industry in the last week. And basically, it was a fairly well-known YouTuber. Uh, he got exposed by somebody that he was a business partner with at the time. And I think the only reason why the guy exposed him is because he didn't get his share of the money. I don't really want to get into that or, you know, drop names, but it made me think so after this video came out and the guy exposed, you know, the other YouTuber, all these people, all these like influencers, I hate that name, but that kind of best describes them. They're all kind of jumping on that bandwagon, you know, calling other people shills and saying that you shouldn't accept money for reviews. And I got to say that I kind of disagree. So maybe you don't accept money. You know, a lot of these YouTubers, there may not be accepting money for actual like paid reviews, which I think it's extremely immoral to endorse a product that you personally don't stand by. There's been a lot of products and companies that I've turned down because I just think that they make absolute crap. And I would hate to endorse a product that somebody used, especially when we're talking about a gun or something that somebody uses to, you know, potentially save their lives with and it fails. So I wouldn't want that, you know, on my plate. But I do think it's funny how so many people are jumping on that bandwagon saying like, yeah, it's immoral and and people shouldn't accept money for reviews when I know a lot of these people are actually accepting money for reviews. But even if they're not accepting money for actual reviews, they still have advertisers, sponsors. And I just think that it's, uh, I don't know. I, th- I think that it's it's something that needs to be talked about because yeah, in a perfect world, like it would be great if you didn't accept money to do something. But a lot of these YouTubers, this is all that they do. They don't have day jobs, like at the end of the day, like this is stuff that pays their bills. And I don't think that people realize how much time goes into actually producing a video, like to produce a really great video, it takes days. And, you know, you're, you're watching it. It's entertaining. I think that it, you know, I will reiterate that I think it's screwed up to endorse products that you don't stand by, whether you're getting paid or not. Um, even if it's just for a free product, I don't think that you should endorse it. But I also think that you know, everybody, you know, you can't, you can't pay your bills with free stuff or, you know, with not receiving any sort of way of, of compensation. What are your thoughts, Chris? Uh, I think it's, uh, unrealistic or either they're not, uh, they're not educated on, on how things work. The people that do the gun thing for a living have such a ridiculous overhead both in time and in money. They, at least half of them, do not have an ammo sponsor. I don't know out there, all your listeners, I don't know, but like, like if everybody knows this, like ammo sponsor, hardest thing to come by. Like, that's like really the most difficult thing you can get. <laughs> so right there you have ammo. Then and most ammo, of them have to... Ammo's expensive. Depending very expensive. Depending on the caliber, I mean, you could be paying like a dollar fifty per round. 
And it's going to take you more than a few rounds to so be like, oh, yeah, this gun's great, you know. Oh, or yeah. even Especially if somebody sends you a 50 or a 338, you're in real trouble then. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so you have that. And then most of them have a cameraman, uh, somebody that's out there with them. And then they got to get that that video. They got to get all that footage. So you're looking at like two days of actually recording you know, your actual footage, uh, you've, this is not counting the time beforehand where they had to script it. This is, uh, this is not counting, uh, you know, the editing time either, you know, and all of the, all of the production, all of the people they paid for their, their logos, their drops, like, you know, the, the, the music licensing, cause they're using something in the background. All of this stuff goes into this one video and you're looking at something that's like, they've, they've got a grand minimum tied up and making a video. And they're doing this all the while, while Facebook and YouTube and everybody else is doing everything in its power to make sure they never get a cent of ad revenue. So for the public to look at this person and say, oh, you shouldn't be getting paid for this. Well, then you just won't have it because these people aren't jumping like at the opportunity to to support somebody on Patreon. I mean, they're not. You have that one percent at best. That's like, I really like this content. I want to support you. And then everybody else is like, like having this moral high ground while also not contributing to someone's like livelihood. I mean, and it's, I'm not saying that you should, you don't have to support somebody on Patreon, but you can't like give somebody a hard time if they're getting compensated for their time. I can tell you that every contract I've ever had a hand in has always said, look, I am going to say the truth about this product. If this is a problem for you, you don't want to do this. Like, don't send it to me. Like, this is the deal. Like, you are compensating me for the time and effort and money involved in producing this. My opinion is not for sale. And, and that's structured in mm-hmm. every contract. And I've seen that happen before where companies, they'll pay somebody to endorse a product. Mm-hmm. And or review the product, not endorse it. And sometimes that review does not work in their favor. But it's one of those things where companies have to realize like they take a risk on. And and so that like I am, I'm in favor for. I highly respect the people that do get paid for something and they don't feel obligated to, you know, to shine positive light on that product. I do think that, well, I mean, legally, you should people need to disclose that it was paid or given to them. So that is obviously a legal obligation. And I think that that should also be disclosed. But as far as people just having a hard time with the reality that some of us get paid for, for reviews, I think that, I think it's kind of irrational. I agree. And I, and whether you're given a product or even given a discount code, that's actually compensation. You do have to disclose that. We have to do that in the game industry with marketing. Uh, even if we're, if, if I have, people playing something for free live. And the only thing that we're given was like uh, codes to, to get a copy of the game, like to give away that's compensation in the, in the eyes of uh, the government. And so they have to disclose that. So it will, it will say down below that it's a sponsored stream. So I, you know, when everybody's on their high ground, you know, banging their drum about, well, you know, you took money, you know, you're going to, you're going to get trouble. Well, yeah, but um, I would say 95% of the stuff you're looking at on the internet is supplied product. And if they don't have that tag there, it's just, it's the same thing. But you can't expect people to, to like to, to do this for a living for free. Yeah. So you either, you either don't get the reviews and you go back to only getting advertisements like in magazines and, you know, aren't effective. No. So, and these companies and then people are mad at the companies that are like, oh, how could you pay these people? But, you know, I mean, like influencers have worked really hard to build an audience, which does not come easy because even now, like I'm building my YouTube channel and it's freaking a pain in the ass. So it does take a lot of time and effort. But companies realize that, you know, nowadays it's really hard to market. People are susceptible to all kinds of advertisements. We're numb to advertisements around us. And so it's like the things that people choose to listen to, like podcasts, or they choose to go on social media, Facebook, Instagram, they choose to watch YouTube videos. And so in that case, like marketing is so much more effective and companies realize that. So they're spending their marketing dollars on things that work. So I also don't think that you can necessarily blame the company for paying, you know, these influencers that have built up an audience and they are trying to 
they're trying to promote to that audience. I don't think that that's bad either. No, I mean, and I agree with you. Like it's like everything now that we consume when we're trying to, to look at what we're into. And I guess it's weird because you and I are kind of like in this world. And like, I, I got here because I saw it, you know, from the outside, but uh, you know, okay. So you have film and you have YouTube. So you have your, your television and your, and your movies and, and your pop culture. That's uh that's kind of like, just the tip. It's the foreplay, you know, like it's this, just the beginning of things. You're like, Oh, wait, what was that? You know, and then you start scouring the internet and then you find out a name and then you go to that channel, you know, and it's like, okay, so this guy used it, you know, and he ran the gun. That looks cool. And you look at a, a series of other channels that may have covered something. Uh, and it works the same way with video games. I mean, it's just, uh, it's that repetitive marketing and things like that. Like the old way of doing things is gone. I mean, like print publications are almost done written reviews are on their way out, which is sad because I actually, actually do like written reviews sometimes. Uh, but that's even, even in web format is going further and further away. And what you have left is that, that organic way to market products. It's, it's just this, this is where people are. This is where we need to show our stuff. And it's, it's not easy and it's, and it's people can't do it for free. If a company reaches out to me and says, I really want my product in, in the video games. And, you know, I want you to do that. Okay. That's one game and me trying to educate and, and sell a company on an idea. That's a hundred, 150 man hours, just getting them to say, okay, yeah, no, now we understand. Now we see why, you know, and there's just, there's so much in, involved with it now that you can't expect people to work for free. Like you can make an amazing product and that's great. And you know, hats off. Oh, people here. can't work for free. Here, hold on. I got you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. They love me. They really love me. <laughs> oh yes. That was good. Well timed. But yeah, no, I agree with you. I think it's, I, I, I think it's just completely ignorant to, to try and bash somebody for, you know, the fact that they're, they're being paid to do their job. And like, I don't want to like try and get down on like the actual metrics of that, but I would say the vast majority of real channels have to do that. That's their job. YouTube hates them. They're very much against them. Facebook hates them. They're trying to bury them every chance they can get. And these people have to make a living. It's, you know, it's just the way that it is. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's get into some reviews. So we still need lots of more reviews, guys. We're uh, kind of on the low end. I'm going to read some Facebook reviews. So Dustin M, he said he recommends this show. Seriously, what is there not to like about this? And have you seen the sweet high point operator patch? Michael W recommended. Sorry, it took me so long to find you guys, but I'm here now. <laughs> he actually uh, became a patron right after that. Jason B recommended great interviews in a relaxed format. Plus the prank calls are very funny. Well, sorry, we don't do them anymore. <laughs> right now we're taking a little break. Renee B recommended very nice people, great reviews. They embrace the minority of the majority with enthusiasm. <laughs> All right. So those were like four of the shortest reviews ever. But Chris, I want you to pick one out of the four reviews to win a gun funny patch. Oh, no, that's a tough one because like, it's like Dustin, he's like begging for the, for the patch because he actually like shouted out the patch. Yeah. And, uh, but then like, well, Jason's there and he loves yeah, to break. And then there's like Michael <laughs> and then there's yeah. like Renee and it's like, geez, what do you do? Uh, Renee wrote in all caps. Yeah. Hmm. She's like, she's kind of, it's kind of yelling guys. That means you're yelling. But is it good yelling or, yeah. or is it bad yelling? Oh, great <laughs> reviews. <laughs> is it? It's like, cause some, sometimes people yell my name and it's bad. And other times, well, you know. <laughs> All right. Just pick a winner. Uh, let's, uh, let, let, let's, let's in, embrace the minority. Let's, let's let Renee have it. All right. Renee, contact me on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and uh, we'll get your info and we'll send you out a gun funny patch. Which we have new patches. They are blue. I don't have one yet, actually. You collect patches? No. Oh, well. All right. I'll send you a sympathy patch. <laughs> but I'm telling you, once you have this one patch, you're going to start like an entire patch wall. It's addicting. 
I have an armor wall. Yeah, I don't need a patch wall. Listen, I get the feeling that you're already addicted to video games and porn, so I don't know if you want to be addicted to patches on top of this. That's how we became friends. Like, <laughs> shut I don't. Up. Oh, shut up. We're still oh. live. No. Okay, sorry. All right, guys. So we're going to wrap up. So you, you can just find us at gunfunny.com. We have links to everything on there. I would consider becoming a patron. So like Chris was saying, you know, there's a lot of companies, like if, if the companies aren't paying you, um, there's very few people that will say, Hey, we really enjoy what you're doing. We appreciate the content you're putting out. We want to support you. Uh, very few people are doing that. So definitely consider becoming a Patreon. Just a dollar gets you access to our Patreon only Facebook page. Uh, which is pretty funny. I usually post like drunk videos in there, but aside from the shenanigans, we also post some pretty good content and we have some pretty good conversations. I want to thank our $25 Patreons, Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran 8888, Charger Arms, Ryan Morrison, Kevin Brittingham, and Michael Lexio. And thanks to your guys' pledges, we are able to afford an editor and producer who is Kenny Ortega. Kenny, I greatly appreciate all of the work that you do for us. And uh John Snow, so he basically gave me free reign to just say or do whatever I want. So, Chris, I think I'm going to put it on you this time. <laughs> do you want to sing? No, no. I think I sang the last episode. Nobody I, mentioned it. No, I'm not singing. I, I, you know what? You, you handle this. I, I don't know. I am not going to give a king of a Patreon statement. I'm sorry. It's just not me. You had me pick. You had me pick Renee. Now, like Jason and Dustin, or I have like I'm marked for death. So, uh, all right. Well, Jon Snow. Hopefully, so this weekend we're actually all staying in like the the same hotel. Don't get the wrong idea. But hopefully, he still talks to me. I'm gonna meet him in person. Uh, him and a bunch of other patrons at the NRA. So hopefully, he's he still talks to me after this weekend. <laughs> So, yeah. So uh, we'll just put it like that. So, John, I would like to just say, uh, don't hate me if it's Monday and, you know, it's Monday when this show comes out after the NRA show. So if we're not getting along, maybe, you know, we'll just let a few days pass and then we can become friends again. All right. Tag pack giveaway. Guys, go to gunfunny.com forward slash TP. We give away a box every month. If you don't want to enter the giveaway, you just want to go directly to the website and order your tag pack. Go to uh, tagpack.com and use the code gunfunny and you will receive a free SOG tool. Chris, thank you again for, for joining me today. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. Was it really? It was. I had a lot of fun. You're, uh, you're a lot nicer when you're on air than you are in real life. So okay, that's great. Yep. I like to save up way more. <laughs> All right. We're out of here. Want to send feedback? Suggest a place to prank call? Tell us about a company or anything else? Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact. <laughs> <laughs>